Scott, where are you off to? An adventure. The dwarf in the blue hood has hired me to go along with him. I'm going to burgle him a shiny rock. That's Lou in a blue hoodie, dude. I'm not going on any adventure. It's a dangerous business, Scott, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't kip your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. In celebration of Bilbo Baggins' birthday, we're playing the races of the realms, halflings, this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Dojo podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Bill? Scott? Lou? Scott? Bill? Lou? How's it going? Good. No birthday's coming up. Um, is it yours? Did I forget it again? Well, it's not mine. We already did mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Baggins is the one and only Mr. Baggins, the Hobbit, or do we call them halflings? Depends on whose world you're talking to. I I guess if we're talking the D&D world, those Hobbits are halflings. They are indeed. They used to be Hobbits, though. They used to be, and that got kiboshed real fast. (laughs) Yeah, I, I guess the Tolkien estate gets upset if you... Take their intellectual property without permission. (laughs) Who'd have thought? Weird. I know. But I I remember, uh, what is it, TSR's publication, the pre-Dragon magazine, was that the Tactical Review or something? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Referred to them as hobbits, and... It was it was funny because I, I I liked reading those things and I got my hands on them. But today's youth would be totally unimpressed with that typewritten page with the <laughs> uh, the hand drawn uh, artwork on it. Um, the quickly scribbled. Yes, they would be totally unimpressed. And I want to say that one of the earliest was O D and D referred to them as hobbits. O D and D, yeah, yeah. Um, but now they're halflings. Yep, no more hobbitses. Because as Lou pointed out many episodes ago, halfling is not a, a an intellectual property. No, it is a uh, historical reference. Like elves and dwarves and yep. gnomes. Yep. And... So what do they look like? The hobbits? Or the halflings. Or the halflings. I, I know that they have a, um, uh, a D&D description, but I'm always partial to the Tolkien description of the of the halflings. Short, about three feet tall, large, hairy feet with leather-like soles. They don't wear shoes. None of my halflings ever wore shoes. I, I find it somewhat sacrilegious, if you will, to put a, uh, to shot a halfling. <laughs> Not even sandals. Yes, nothing. Uh, portly. They're a little chunky because they like to eat. Breakfast, second breakfast, 11Zs, lunch, supper, dinner, afternoon tea, you know, that sort of thing. It's going to make you a little on the chunky side. So they're always a bit 
a bit on the portly side. Well, they end up that way. I think they start off a little slim yeah. uh, with the high metabolism and, yeah, and racing like, about. Like but... most of us do, Bill. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yes. That is, they get older. They I'm, get a... I'm still sporting my svelte figure. Yes, I, I am. I am not. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I got, but the dad bod is in, so uh, I've been told that a bunch of times, and I'm rolling with it. Uh, the dad rolling bod, is right. Rolling, yeah, the dad the dad bod is a thing now. So that's all we got. Yeah, you, you know what? I knew if I waited long enough, it would happen. Yeah, I'm still waiting because they got to go with the granddad bod. It, <laughs> it took a half a century, but and uh, I like to refer to it now as the father figure. Oh well, there you go. Twist on words. It's a lot more dignified than the dad bod. But thank you, Leonardo DiCaprio, for popularizing the dad bod. I do appreciate that, as do uh, every other man living in the dad bod or the father figure. But we digress. They tend to be brown-haired, yeah? I yeah, would, well, uh, you know. Curly, brown-haired. Earthen colors. Yeah. Uh, Dark, sandy blonde, maybe, and, and brown, predominantly black. This is different than the D&D description of halflings, but I've always... I've always liked. The- well, it, it's no matter how much you talk about it with the movies that have recently been out. Well, recently, what, 30 years now, I think maybe that's the vision everyone has in their head. Cause that's the one that's been supplanted. Yeah. You know, any other description. So they, that's what everyone's going to visualize when you mention it. And I, I remember them being depicted in like the the BX sets. Um, there was a picture of uh, a warrior clad in armor. Um, I forget the artist, but he was a wonderful artist. It was very comic book like the the style of this this artist drawing. And uh, he was kneeling down and talking to to a halfling, and the halfling was there with his big hairy feet and everything. And granted, he was a he was slender, but I imagine adventuring halflings would be less comfortable than uh, those halflings that live uh, in the Shire. Um, well, the Shire is small, and to get from point A to point B is just a slight little trek. Yeah, and, and you stop at the neighbors and converse and maybe, you know, have a little a little nosh while you're there. A little snack. A little yeah. snack here and there. As a point. Yeah, as opposed to out in the trail where you have to go quite some time, and when you're traveling with a group, you, you eat when they eat. and you know, They're about borderline starving because they've only had – Three and a half, maybe four meals, as opposed to what they're normally used yeah, to. Yeah, so they're, yeah. So, yeah, I could see how they would be considerably more slender, burning those calories much, much quicker. Yeah, uh, taking far more steps than their taller colleagues uh, as well. So that's, yeah, uh, brown eyes. I always see them as as larger, almost childlike brown eyes, you know, maybe with, uh, you know, some crow's feet or a, a furrowed brow, depending on how old your halfling happens to be. Well, but not eyes so big that they look like the models for those velvet Mexican paintings that you right, used to buy yeah. in the seventies, or, or if they look like they stepped out of an anime. Yeah, um, <laughs> I always, I always depicted my halfling characters and halflings in in my games as having slightly pointed ears, not to the same degree as an elf, but slightly somewhat less pointed than maybe a half elf, but uh, not uh, a human shaped deer. It was hinted that they do originally came from elven stock way, way, way back when in the annals of time. I did something very similar. Um, I, 
again, stuck with the, the, the earth tones, the neutral colors. I, for the most part, kept mine relatively slim in my worlds because, again, if you're running into them, they're adventuring, and they are not getting the consumption they normally would. They are having to take quite a few more steps than their traveling companions. They're usually carrying much more than they're used to carrying, so they have put all this together, and they're they don't have the opportunity to pack on those those extra comfortable pounds. So I've always ran them unless you were went to the to their hometown or ran into a town of them where you would see some that are a little bit more comfortably round. I always ran them very very slim because they just and always whining about not having enough to eat. So how do how do you think they see the world? I I would think they would see it as as a massive massive place because just of their size, um, and uh, somewhat frightening, extremely dangerous. But I always envisioned halflings as being naturally curious, wanting knowledge. In uh, in the Hobbit, or maybe it was the Lord of the Rings. Bilbo Baggins was fond of maps. Yes. So he had a large collection of maps. And I see them uh, with a similar kind of curiosity, um, something that may get them in trouble uh, when adventuring. Um, Doesn't everything get them in trouble? It, it, well, they're not as worldly as some of the other races. Yeah. So what they see is just a matter of curiosity could be seen as a, a dire breach of etiquette. It um it also depends on who's playing the character, Lou. And what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> Halflings are personally, uh, as a race, completely unable to cast Thunderwave. So hence why I never played one. Yeah, and you know it's it's interesting. Now there's no restrictions on anything or anybody, except in, for Lou in D and D. There sh- there should be some heavy. Uh, restrictions on Lou, but that would make for a boring gaming experience much of the time. Um, True. Yeah. But in the old days, they uh, they couldn't cast. They couldn't do any. They couldn't be any of the spell casting classes. No, they could not. And uh, they could they could be what rogues. That's where and, most people went with them. Or fighters, but yeah. they they were all level capped back then yeah. too. So right. uh, what do you, you get? You could go up to like level four and, and fighter and yeah, something like that. Four or it five. It was really and, low, and, but you uh, it was almost the sky's the limit for well, thieves is what they were called back right. then too. But I would, yeah, naturally curious. Maybe you would get the um, the odd one that would kind of want to go out adventuring and see the world. Maybe a younger uh, halfling. Um, they would see the world as full of potential for seeing new things and doing exciting things and, and burgling and burgling. Now I, I might differ here a little bit, but I, I see him seeing the world as a very large, scary place and having nothing to do with it, which is why they don't adventure. And it would be the rare individual here and there that, would go out there maybe just a little bit further just to, you know, to say, all right, I experienced it. It might be swept up into some grand scheme uh, and then hoping every single day he can make his way back. 
it's not necessarily the world is is viewed as bigger because um, an eighty foot tree to uh, someone of your stature, being over six feet, doesn't look smaller than someone who's only three feet tall. Eighty foot tree it's, is still an eighty foot. It's tree. still an eighty foot it's tree. Still big uh, doorways and chairs and things that are a little bit more personal and and tactile and close up that are designed for other races may seem a little a, a little. I would uncomfortable. Say, I would say cumbersome. Cumbersome because they're not scaled for them. But I think everything else, they would make whatever adaptations they they needed to. Their ponies would be you know smaller. They would or they'd be riding rams or or something like that. So they'd still have a means of transportation. All right, your your animal's bigger than mine. But guess what? Mine can go up a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got a ram. Watch this. I'm going to go up this cliff face. All right. See if your horse can follow me. Big old bad fighter, ha <laughs> um, But I, I could, I always when I depicted them, I always depicted them as being a little fearful all the time of the unknown because there's so many things out there, and the, they hear some stories, but we know how stories go. They always get blown out of proportion, and instead of that that one rabid dog that bit the person in the next shire over. By the time it makes it to your area, it was a rabid pack of wolves that, you know, rent that poor individual asunder. Why would you go out in the world for that? Yeah, and, you know, it's it's interesting you bring it up, even though, it's, well, it's really not because we've been playing together for such a long period of time. It's not really a, uh, a big <laughs> surprise. But I was always of, always of the mindset that certain species races whatever terminology you want to, you want to use would be more prevalent out in the world than than others and halflings were always one of those races in my games that you didn't see a lot of for that reason it, right yeah it with that said i think there were every time you saw them at least when i remember playing or playing in a table they were always a rogue or or a fighter that was it well, earlier on, they were, that's what they were limited right. to. Yeah. Um, I opened up my table to other classes, but you needed to kind of really work them in. The The stats and the, the books didn't support that, so I just treated them as a really, really small human and gave them those stats and, and those abilities, and off they ran, so they had a little bit more versatility. But, you know, that was basically house rules at that point. So since we kind of took a look at how they see the world, how do you think the world sees them? An annoyance, constantly asking questions, constantly underfoot, timid on everything. Every every noise makes them scared, and you know, oh! it's like, oh, what the hell? You know, it's a slamming door, it's a moving chair, it's, you know, it's a cart. I would see the world, it's like, why is this thing even underfoot? Why is this out and about with us? I would, uh, I would think the dwarves would, would like halflings because they're they're solid, hardworking, reliable folk. And that just seems like something culturally that the dwarves would um, really admire and, and like because they're um, they're good, reliable, hardworking folk as well. I'll give you that one. Um, elves, elves may like the company of a halfling because they're constantly asking questions. So it's an opportunity to sit and... Um, exchange ideas with with someone who who may be um, like minded in curiosity, or maybe you know have an interest um, in a variety of things that you know the elven culture may have to off, offer. I think the humans would find them just that an annoyance, an annoyance, yeah, um, with all their questions and their 
just timid nature, uh, humans being um, kind of the more adventurous of the people of the world, you know, that kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and forge on and, you know, we will work hard until uh, nature and the land buckles to our whim. <laughs> and um, the halfling's just the the exact opposite of that. Um, I don't I see maybe dragonborn having just a low tolerance for them again, for those reasons. And right. You know, their culture just being so totally different. I, I can see things like the, the tieflings just wanting to know if they're edible. <laughs> and I can't wait to talk about tieflings either. <laughs> Tieflings are are fantastic, but I don't want to talk anymore about that yeah. because no, that, save that is, for another episode. That, that's right. Bilbo Baggins wouldn't approve. Nope. For me, I think the elves would be would really like the halflings because it's somebody they can talk with for over a long span of time. Yeah, they're one of the longer lived races. Yeah. So you know they can have this conversation with them today, and then fifty years come back and talk to them again about the same thing. Just keep the subject going or the training going. Right. How do you feel about Kender being lumped into the halfling category now? Um, Kender were a, a a mixed bag to start with. I never really, I never really liked the Kender. Can't say I have either. See, I loved Dragonlance. Oh, I did too, but I didn't oh, I like Dragonlance. Yeah. I just the Kender, the Kender just, was just so different from what I'm used to from the normal halfling, and that might be part of it too. Is you know you become. Uh, indoctrinated to a certain way to think and very Tolkien-esque. Yeah. And yep. uh, the Kender just didn't We're not fit. At all. No, it just didn't fit that that mold. And that, that might be part of it. How'd you feel when we got rid of halflings in our, our world? Um, it's interesting you brought that up. I didn't know that. You know, you think you know someone, Bill, and then they drop this bomb on you later on, <laughs> you know, 12 years later. <laughs> I... I don't think we needed them. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't either. And, and I love they, halflings. They, they didn't fit our world. We have diminutive races. We have diminutive races that fill that niche of the you know the short, adventurous. Don't underestimate them. They're going to take you down if you you know if you're not careful. And they're more powerful and more strong-willed than you think. We have that, and so we didn't need. These in our world. Well, see, I, I, th- I looked at it a little differently. Um, you know, the world we play in, you don't need to have every race from all the books to be in. You want your world to be a little different. So you can, you can some races are going to be excluded and some new races are going to be introduced. True. Which is what we did. Or I should say Scott and Bill did. But you don't need to have every race to make your world likable. Because the halflings, you know, they're just like one of the other races we kind of I won't say like them, but model a race kind of after them. Well, like I said, it, that, that niche has already been filled. Exactly. And I, I know Bill touched us a little earlier, but, you know, if we say they're a little skittish, why would they adventure? I think every family's got that, in keeping with the theme, every family has <laughs> the Sackville Bagginses, right? Yep. That, yep. Um, that oddball uh, uh, branch of the family that just, uh, doesn't act like the rest of them. You know, the ones that, the ones that show up at the family reunion and, 
you know, you know they're there because you can hear them yelling at the kids the minute you know the, the doors <laughs> of the car open, that sort of thing. There's always, always that one, that one cousin or whatever that, um, or brother or sister for that matter that, that, that you is, feel obligated to invite, but yeah, hope doesn't show up. They just act out of character than than the rest of the group, you know. So you have these halflings I see that are just like, yeah, you know, I don't really want to be a carrot farmer. Fuck it. I'm going to go be an adventurer. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to seek my fortune. I'm good at hiding. I'm good at slinking about, you know, as most of, most of my kind are, I'm going to, I'm going to slink about in the cities or in a dungeon or. Now you sound like you're profiling. Wherever. (laughs) And, um, I'm, I am a firm believer and I know I may catch shit for this, but I'm a firm believer in like racial abilities and stuff like that. I love the fact that there are certain races or species, whatever you want to call them, races. that just have certain aspects to Dif- them. It's called right. differences. Right. You know, so it's it's uh, halflings have always been good at uh, roguery. Stealth, yeah. Well, yeah. they're small. They're easy to hide in the shadows. Yep. So, you know, if you really think about it, they would have a benefit over somebody taller yeah. and heavier. Well, you talk yeah. about their appearance as well. Is they usually are wearing earth tones. They're... Their yep. general makeup is of earth tone colors and, and natural colors. You put them out in the wild, they're already partially camouflaged. Yeah. And, and, then- and you know what? Why wouldn't, you know, why there's necessity to these, these um, racial abilities, right? So if you're three feet tall and you live in a, a, a world that's dominated by much larger creatures, um, you're, you might get eaten. So it... <laughs> It's, you know, natural selection. Those halflings that um, were able to sneak and hide better than others, uh, they pass their genes on, you know. So I I just... Genes or skill sets or a little of both. Yeah. Um, I, I am a firm believer that there should be racial abilities, and I like that. And I always like that. And it may seem old-fashioned. I'm sorry, but... Well, we are old. Yeah. But that's just my that's just my Speak opinion. Speak for yourself. I'm ancient. You know <laughs> <laughs> No, I feel the same way. Yeah, I, I don't I, want everybody to be the same. If I wanted that, everybody in if I did a world, everybody would just be human. If they're all gonna be have the same skills and abilities. Right. It's the same. I, I want my fantasy world to be representative of my gaming table and not all of my friends are the same. They're Sometimes they're wildly different, but I think that's what keeps it interesting. You know, I, I want that, like you said, I want, I want that speciality, uniqueness, the uniqueness. I think it's very important to the game. As do I, as do I, and and it, that and in part that's one of the reasons that would drive some of these to adventure as well. Because it, let's face it, you set them one on the bell curve, right? The majority of them are going to be very sedate and, and perfectly happy where they are. There's going to be those that are angry and just don't know why, but they don't belong here. They don't fit. They don't want to be here and are just simply going to leave. Then on the other end, you have those that are incredibly curious about what's out there. Is there more? You know, try to convince someone to come along with them. This yeah. isn't the whole world. The you know the, the the Shire is not the entire world. There's so much more out there. Why don't you want to see it? 
and, and I do, I do see the majority of the ones that kind of go out into the world to seek their fortune in their adventure. I see the majority of them coming back to the Shire once they, once they kind of, you know, get it out of their system, you know, yeah. uh, a life of adventuring, um, may, may not necessarily be, uh, what is in store for the majority of these, 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 uh, halflings that leave the Shire to seek their fortune. Um, I see them coming back much in the way Bilbo Baggins did, you know, maybe they got a pony full of, uh, gold, you know, that they're, they're coming back with. It was only one small chest. It, it was, um, but it, it must've been full of some really pricey things. Um, well, they can come back with their chest full of gold or they can come back with their tail between their legs. Yeah. And saying, all right, that, that was horrible. Either way, it's going to be a great story. What the hell yeah. was I thinking? I will never leave, you know, my yard, let alone go back out beyond the borders of the Shire again. It, it's, there's, it's, it's dangerous. Things want to hit me and hurt me and kill me and eat me. Don't ever leave the Shire. And uh, then there's other ones. Like, no, no, you know, you get comes back with a chest full of gold. It was awesome. Yeah, it was a little dangerous, but you know, I, I made it okay. And either way, I can see either group, you know, trying to make it back yeah. because home is still home. Yeah, and I, you know, and they they come back, and I see the reason that they come back. Yeah, as home is home is still home, but now I have I have some means that maybe my family didn't initially have, so mm-hmm. we can buy some extra farmland, and I can just settle down, and I could be a carrot farmer, or I could buy a, a tavern. Granted, that's so cliche for a reason, <laughs> but um, you know, maybe maybe I want to raise dogs, I want to breed dogs, or I want to you know breed chickens that uh, give bigger eggs or whatever have you. But now I have the money to do that, to live that simple kind of comfortable life. And maybe my, you know, my grandchildren, great grandchildren will now not have to go out and uh, do the same dumb shit I just did. (laughs) So with that said, let's, let's talk about some cultural considerations, you know, what their families would look like, what they would eat um, and what's important to them. Um, I, I think I always imagined halflings as having, um, a diet uh, very, very similar to, to ours. Um, maybe, you know, barring the uh, Twinkies and, and, and you know. Um, yeah, it, they would have pies. They would have pies and stuff pies like and that. Pies and cakes they would and pastries, yeah. Love a good pastry. Well, that's why they're a little portly. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, uh, pork and chicken and, you know, meat and potatoes, Kind of st- comfort food. You name the comfort food, it's going to be on a halfling menu. You know, macaroni and cheese or, or you know, um, things like that. Um, almost uh, almost like a, uh, I would see them having like a, a, a British diet almost, you know. So they would share a lot of a lot of the same foods or a lot of the same eating practices as, as the English would. You know, of course you would have tea time. Oh, yes. Um, and you know, whatever, whatever accompanies tea, you know, maybe, you know, cucumber finger sandwiches, um, crumpets and honey with crumpets a little bit of butter. And honey. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. It does. I love crumpets and honey. Man, oh. I could go for some warm crumpets and honey and maybe some butter. The problem is, is you know how hard it is to find crumpets now? Used to be able to find them all the time. They're like a crumpet shortage? Uh, no, just everyone forgot how to make them. Now they just do English muffins, which is not a freaking crumpet. God damn it. I do like English muffins though too. Yeah, crumpets are better. I would have to agree. Yeah, they are. 
to go for a crumpet. <laughs> well, I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. <laughs> well, when you don't have a crumpet. I, I Yeah, I, I agree with you. I could see, you know, that it, you already know they're a very agrarian culture. So there'll be your, all your fruits, all your vegetables, your tubers. There'll be a, a bounty of those. And everything that goes along with, you know, preserving them and, and jarring them and, and sauces and creams and lots of cheese, lots of dairy, and then then the meats. The Shire must smell great at around 4.30 every day. Oh. Can you imagine taking a walk through there? Well, it's and- 8.30 for breakfast, 10.30 for second breakfast, then you got your, your lunch. Z's. Yep. 11 yeah. Z's. Quick and snack. Then, yeah. And then, yes, at 4.30, it's all over again. Yep. It always smells. <laughs> yeah, it always smells good. It always, it always smells good. So, what about the, what, what would the family uh, lifestyle be like? Um, I would I would see it being a what is what could be described as a traditional family. You know, um, uh, mother, father, and like a ton of kids, and probably grandparents, grandparents. and great grandparents, yeah, like Ex- huge extended families. Yep. Living in the same home, all the same home, yeah. For like as far back as they can remember, like there's a, uh, you know, a great 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 grandfather that built the the Hobbit Hole, and that family has been living there for, well, since that time. Since that time, yeah, for generations. Yeah, a lot of kids because there's a lot of work to be done. Yes, you know, there's goats to be milked and and you know fields to be plowed and see that or a lot of free time. Yeah, <laughs> cold winters in the uh, Shire. Once again, an agrarian system. Yeah. So and, and no cable package. <laughs> um, I I would see what is what would be considered uh, traditional uh, gender roles there. I know I'm probably going to catch a lot of hell for that, but you know, uh, well, if you think about you know, at, in that time period, yeah, everything was gender rolled. Yeah, and, and, you know, and it's not to say you can't have like a halfling matriarch at the head of the family or your female halfling can't be like a warrior or whatever have you. But I just see uh, the females tending to certain uh, certain duties and the males tending to certain duties as well, like the repair of clothing and maintaining the home and, you know, cooking, cleaning, that, that sort of uh, chauvinistic <laughs> type of role but well i being more forward thinking that is the biggest lie i've ever heard you <laughs> you're <tell>. absolutely yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah I, I i i see the you know the males being in charge i'm doing air quotes but it's one of those uh one of those things like um uh men are in charge but really it's mom that's running the show yeah they think they are yeah they're, they're allowed yeah. to think they're because in charge. mom lets them yeah um, but well, I, I, once again, when you, you think back and, and we've, we've all been modeled, you know, to recognize Tolkien-esque. Yeah. And that was for the most part modeled after Renaissance like era where the, it was very, uh, role specific based on gender. It doesn't mean it has to be in your world by any means, no. despite the fact of our advanced age. In years, we try to be fairly progressive when we, we make our characters and our world and all that stuff. But I, I agree with you. I, I see it as kind of like not necessarily Middle Ages, but that kind of Renaissance era where the the women do wield quite a bit of power 
just because of their influence over the men who think they're in charge? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same with relationships today. Um, yeah, yeah. For, more, some, for, for some people more than others. I know, I've met your wife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are whipped. I've met Lou's wife as well. Shh. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting right She thinks he's this. at work. Busted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope she, hopefully she's not listening. Hi, Heather. Uh, hopefully she's not. Um, I won't tell her this episode was going to drop. Yeah, it's it's. I see it a lot too. Is it's probably what what life was like for J.R.R. Tolkien during what the what he wrote the Lord of the Rings in the thirties. Thirties, yeah, or, or, yeah, late thirties, early forties, maybe. No, I think it's the thirties. Yeah, um, I imagine life in England is being very similar. Yes, and I, yeah, I think you're right. It, as as much as in, as forward thinking and progressive as we like to be. These days, we still think in those roles, unfortunately. It's inbred in us. Yes, it is. It, it is one of those things that is just society itself is kind of beaten into you. And God bless those that are breaking the mold. But Yeah, uh, but I don't, think it's, I don't think it's unhealthy to take that, that viewpoint um, because it is something that is unique with maybe the halfling culture. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas... I've always seen elves in my game, their culture is being matriarchal. Yep. Um, and, and, and very, very different than maybe human culture, halfling culture in that there was no, um, there was no clear delineation of gender roles within the elven culture. So I, I think if you have a mix of these sort of things, it just adds flavor. And I've always just seen halflings as, as this. True. Um, so what would you consider important to halflings? Making sure there's salt and pepper on every table. I was table. about to say the same yeah. thing. <laughs> when, yeah. When's breakfast? Yeah, something as simple as, you know, uh, good food is important to them. I, I would see a, much of the culture centering around uh, the meal, like if you're doing a celebration. Well, it's family time when you, yeah. when you do that. It's time or even, to connect. Or even community time. Yep. You know, uh, the whole potluck thing. Uh, oh yeah, we're gonna have a celebration of you know whatever the the final harvest of the season. So the entire community is gonna get together. You know, old Junie Largefoot's gonna bring those apple pies that we like so much. You know, and just uh, the 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 food and and the community that's that's kind of centered around it. I see is a, a big. That's what I see too. Community, family, yeah, um, friends. Well, to that effect, I, I could see one of the the most cherished things in the home is a cookbook that's been passed down through generations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, because that's where Junie, you know, Bigfoot got her recipe because it was her great, 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 great grandmother's recipe that has been tweaked and perfected over the generations. And now it, you can't possibly change it because nothing ever tastes like Junie Bigfoot's apple pie. And that's what she brings to everywhere is because that's all anyone asked her to bring. And she's delighted to do so. And I can see every family having that one dish or, you know, or that one type, you know, whoa, that, you know, uh, Bobby Big Nose is going to bring, you know, uh, his, his famous goat stew. I don't know what he does to this damn goat stew, but no one can make the goat stew the way Bobby does because it's all coming out of those, those cookbooks that have been polished and perfected over generations yeah and i see that uh, you know that cookbook is being like the centerpiece of of the the 
the kitchen. It's it's a uh, uh, one of the most prized family heirlooms because it's it's written in a bunch of different handwritings because everybody adds some recipe or something right to that cookbook. So it's this big cherished tome. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I see that one little niche that's been built into the cabinetry that just fits that book with a, with, and it's probably maybe one of the only cabinets that has glass on it. Yeah. And the, the only, only massive thing in the house. And too. the only massive thing in the house. But if you think about it, that's like a lot like today. A lot of families do that exact very thing where it's, yep. everybody has their specialty that they bring over for, yeah. for dinner. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see that being one of the most important things. I mean, as far as tactile things, I could see the, yeah, friends and family and the camaraderie of, of being able to get with the community and repeatedly any excuse to have a party. Yeah, a, a public house in the Shire would be a huge thing because of their their um, the importance of community for them. So that's where people would gather to have, yep. have drinks. You know, the uh, I see you know uh, wives coming in and dragging their husbands out of the public house by the ear because it's time <laughs> to go home. They've spent too much time. Um, that sort of old old fashioned kind of wholesomeness um divorce rates being almost not non-existent um i find it interesting he brought that up yeah i'd make a shitty hobbit well, that's why you're not a hobbit <laughs> that's why i'm not a hobbit yeah. he's more like four of them but <laughs> now the big question that's on everybody's mind what class would you choose to play as a hobbit barbarian sorcerer why uh, it's first thing to pop in my head. Okay. <laughs> but I'd make, you know, I Iron Man everything. Yeah. I'd roll that out and make it work. You know it. I have a, a um, I don't know, it's a, t- I, you know, half half of me really loves the traditional thief. with Just a smattering of fighter in there. But I feel like, I feel like I could have a good time with a barbarian. I had a halfling barbarian. And my, my take on barbarians is there's there's barbarians in culture. And there's barbarians in class. And barbarians in culture aren't necessarily barbarians in class. Barbarians in class aren't necessarily barbarians in culture. So my halfling barbarian that I played a long time ago was a barbarian because he, um, his, his story was, he was just, he was this angry little, little halfling, uh, was hot tempered and would fly off the handle real quick and get in fights at the public house. And they're like, you need to go figure this shit out because you're a big pain in the ass. So you need to go work off all of that energy and come back when you're a little calmer because you're just raising hell in the Shire is not appropriate. And off he went to seek his fortune. And he, he, it was, this is the old school, what, uh, unearthed arcana barbarian, so all of that stuff with the barbarian class worked for him. They were good at jumping. And yep. so he would have to jump up to punch people in the nose that were much taller than him, which was just about everybody else outside of the Shire. There was the, uh, I think they could run for a long period of time, which came in handy when he punched someone much larger than him. <laughs> uh, you know, stuff like that. There, there, was, uh, there was a very um, kind of, 
naturalist survivalist kind of slant on the old school unearthed arcana barbarians which fit really really nicely with what my my concept for the character was so that's those would be my two i could um, see a sorcerer i was thinking i know the class doesn't exist anymore but an illusionist i can see that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> for for those of you who are like what yeah, the illusionist used to be a class, and um, it died. Um, rest we, in yeah, peace. Yeah, you still get illusion spells, but it's not the same as yeah, being an illusionist. It's not the same. Yeah, it, elude, the illusionist was one of those weird classes where if you really knew your stuff, you could be a really, yep. really good illusionist. I got yelled at quite a few times. But if you didn't, <laughs> then it was a shitty class. It was, yeah, and it was no fun at all. To and play. you could not pick necromancy spells, if I remember correctly. I believe you're correct. On yeah, that you couldn't, one. right? Because that. When back in uh, second edition and two point five, you had opposing classes that you could not take, and I believe necromancy was the opposite of illusion. Yeah, there, yeah. See, there was a lot of rules back then you had to memorize. You guys are lucky. <laughs> you got the fast track. We used to have to read books uphill both ways. In the snow. In the snow. Barefoot. June. Barefoot. But yeah, yeah. I think illusionist would be a a, a good choice if. If they if they still had that class with a smattering of rogue, with a sm- <laughs> there's always got to be a little smattering of rogue. If you had to pick a fifth ed class, though, what what would you what would you go with? Honestly, a phantom rogue. A phantom rogue. Yeah, I know it's a lot. It's very cliche, but yeah, yeah. You know, it's, some things just work, though. You know, druid. I, I could see that too. Yeah, a druid would be would be a really good fit for a halfling. And druid, be, sorcerer, warlock, and any of those that you know is very in tune with the world, in tune with nature. But not a druid of the moon. Either. Not a druid of the moon. No, a druid of the land, and I would do it in the forest. Yes. Yeah, I think that would be nice. I think so too. So it makes me want to go and make a halfling character. Well, you can and join us on Wednesday night. Ah, uh, you know I would. I would let, they have a game on Wednesday night, our gaming group, and I miss you guys so much. I just want you to know if you're listening, um, which you should be. I'm listening. You're our friends. I'm right here. If you're not listening, I'm unfriending you. Um, but <laughs> I would like to join you, but I just want you to know that Lou keeps piling work on me. I try real hard to get the work done, and I go, Lou, the work is done. Um, on Wednesday, I'm going to, he's like, you, you need to do this. <laughs> I'm not even going to argue. Since, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I, okay, I was going to say, I guess, yeah, Lou, you, you really, you, you don't have a dog in this fight, man. And, <laughs> and I sit there and, and I, you know, the text messages from the whole group are coming and I'm looking at it and I'm like, fucking Lou. And then, you know, I see the um, the WebEx meeting reminder. You have a meeting. Well, no, I don't have a meeting. Lou does. Enjoy your game, Lou. Oh, I do. While I'm working. That's right. Sin's running this week, too. And, and yeah. by the way, did you uh, do the editing on those last four episodes for <laughs> yeah. the intros? And, I need uh, this, and I need <laughs> that, that, and I need this, and that project you're doing isn't, isn't going as fast and uh, to my liking, and you need to do this, and you need to write this and that. And the, like man. By the way, are you joining us on Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, you should. You're neglecting your friends. I'm like you bastard. I don't know why I like Lou. 
I have been trying to figure that out for many, many years. I can't come up with it. Uh, the only thing I come up with is the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. And I don't have time to make new friends. So I'm yeah, Just keep little. that in mind. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> And that's playing the races of the realms, halflings. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.